This week's Craggy Rugby podcast was recorded in Massimo's on Sunday evening with William Davies, Lindy McKenzie, Dave Finn and Alan Deegan. Let's hear how they got on. Welcome to Craggy Rugby, the Zebra edition. Not a nice edition, it has to be said. Um, first defeat away to first defeat of any sort to Zebra in, in all the time we've played them. Um, not a game that we got to see, not a game that anyone got to see apart from a few of the fans who trekked away over and fair play to them for doing that. Um, not a great result, guys. Very disappointing result. Um, it sounds like a pretty poor performance. It's one that I think they'll, they'll find very hard to swallow. Um, 12-3 up scored a try after about a minute mm. you don't really you're not supposed to lose to Zebra you're certainly not supposed to, to lose to Zebra when you're 12-3 up I wonder have they ever won a game from being 12-3 behind I know they came they came back a bit against Ulster mm. a few weeks ago mm. but Ulster still closed that game out very very easily um, it's it's not good it's very very poor anyway. Well, I think it's probably the worst result in Pat Lamb's tenure as the coach. I would be concerned not necessarily with the result, but with the psychology of, of, of losing this match to Zebra at this stage of the season. I don't think players go out to lose. I don't think players go out thinking that they're not going to give 100%. And we all know that Zebra have been knocking on the door mm-hmm. for, a, for a long, long time for this win. Yep. There may be, you know, Andrew Brown's try if it was denied. The body language can go down. But surprisingly, there were sufficient experienced players on that side that you would think that they could overcome that. Mm-hmm. Now, things do go wrong and things do go against you. But I am, I'm, ex- I'm, I'm very upset, actually, and, and concerned that... Not that Zebra could win a match because they have, if, even if they've only won two this season, one of them to Edinburgh. Yep. But at this stage of the season, when Connacht are looking to be a team to qualify for Champions Cup, mm. that this is a team as champions of the Pro 12 yep. who could go and lose to the bottom side. Collectively, there must, I think there must be issues that, that certainly need to be addressed. Well, I'd just like to say well done to Zebra. And it's two brilliant weeks for Italian rugby, following on from uh, probably even uh, the even less heralded but spectacular victory for Treviso against the Ospreys. Um, and I, that, that's my positive spin on this. I can't add anything more to what the guys have said. I haven't seen the game. I can only speculate as to what happened. There are things that just shouldn't happen anyway. You cannot, you cannot lose to a team that has 13 men on the pitch for six minutes. You just, you just can't do that, irrespective of whether you're 12 points down with six minutes to go, and that's when they're up there, 13 men. It's something is seriously wrong mentally. There is yeah. a malaise hanging over the team, and I think, and I hate to say it, I think it is time to to address the elephant in the room, which is that the season seems to have been completely derailed once Pat said he was going to Bristol. I think there's just been, it, it's very hard to, it's all very well and good to say about there being a long-term plan, but if the person who is seen to be leading that plan is abandoning it, you can understand why other people, well, it's very hard to get players and of, of, of irrespective of their experience or 
their their technique. It's hard to get them to believe in the plan if the person who's meant to be driving it is leaving halfway through. And I think the sooner the season ends, and whether that's in the playoff or whether that's because we haven't made it into the Champions Cup playoffs, irrespective, the sooner it ends and we can put, draw a line on the season and say, right, this is the nadir. It does not get any worse than this. And we start again with Kieran Kane and the new and the new setup. The better, because right now there is just a cloud hanging over this team. Yeah, there certainly is. Like if you look at, at how Connacht finished seasons, I just went and had a quick check through the last you know six years. Last season, even last season, we only won three of the last five. We don't. I don't count the two playoff or the, the semi final and the final. If you count the you know Pro 12 games, we lost. We only won three of the last five, and that's the best we've ever done. We never finished the season well. On average, we win one game in the last five. We've gone right back to the start to the very start of the Pro 12 and it's just something that we've always struggled with and it seems to have come back that Malaysia's come back last season was slightly different that we had you know we lost to, to Treviso but it was a game we didn't have to win and there's an element of that about it isn't there when we don't have to win a game that we don't seem to have the mental strength to try and just get over the, the finish line yeah that's I mean win, winning is a habit and um, we, we'd gone on a de- kind of gone on a decent run mm. but I think Glasgow was a peculiar game. Mm. It's so much possession, so much field position, and Glasgow had to make an astonishing number of tackles. Stuart Burns brought it up today, and he said, "Sarah, he said they won't have to make that many against Saracens." No, but we couldn't convert any of that. Yeah. The system didn't produce scores at the end. Uh, we weren't far enough ahead at half time, and you wonder does that play around? When you analyse that and you say, right, we're going to Zebra now and we're going to do whatever the plan was, and it, it, it obviously it, it failed. They would have expected to win that. I know they were in trouble there in September, um, so fair play, Zebra have got their mm. just desserts possibly for that game. But it's this issue about possession and, and what you do with it has been around pretty much all season. Saw it away to Leinster, saw it in the game against uh, the Dragons in Newport. You have to convert when you have the ball. And you you wonder, is it a problem with an over-elaboration in the system? The players are waiting for everything to be exactly as as it has to be, rather than playing what's in front of them. I I would have thought, we haven't seen the game. Zebre uh, had had a caning the week before, so they mm. probably they lifted it. They well, they brought they brought their seven internationals back. Yeah, that was huge. I think I think as well um, that last week's match against Glasgow was it was a, a major turning point in the sense that the entire team realised that we're actually not going to qualify their top five, top six. Yeah. We are headed for the playoffs this game so I, I'd say it was a very hard match to have to go to yeah. and, and I said that and I said that last week when everyone's eyes are on, on Toulouse and, yeah. and Munster that said I don't actually think watching that match Toulouse-Munster match that Connor probably would have beaten Munster no. on, on the day and the way that they played yeah. but it must have been a really low point and also look as, as Dave said whether it's an elephant or whether it's just a, a person, but you know, <laughs> Pat, Pat, you know, Pat Lamb's departure obviously is taking its toll. You've also got to think about last year. Yeah. I mean, last year Connor went into the Pro 12 with no expectations. I know there was internationals and certain teams were leaving, but they didn't go in with the expectations. But they went in with a good preseason. They went in 
they went and but a full coaching team a full coaching team and a team that was actually just this burgeoning team full of confidence that mm. they were this season bad poor start poor pre-season poor start to the season and now they're actually struggling mentally as yeah. well as as well as the execution of physically and we don't know what happens at training sessions because we're not allowed to watch them um, <laughs> but we don't know how much pressure that some of those players are able to cope with yeah that now it's almost like you have to do it you have to win and we know what happens when people aren't doing things sometimes for fun and for mm. they have the momentum with them so I think there's I think there's a number of factors yeah. and I think unfortunately you know when when they have their review tomorrow morning it, it, it's 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 not going to be pretty for them and I just hope that they can they can just put it behind them and say look we're a much better team than that we've still got something we've still got something you know to fight for and we are still capable and and hopefully turn it around indeed Dave yeah um it's very hard to know I mean if they feel like there's nothing to play for this season it could get very very messy mm. um the we look there's a very simple fact is that we will not beat Munster in, in Thornland Park, which means that the only game that we are likely to win away from home this season is the next one against Edinburgh. And we don't seem to get up for games away from away from the sports ground if there's nothing to, if there's nothing riding on them. We, we got up for these games last year because there was a hell of a lot riding on them. And um, that game in Edinburgh last year, fantastic game of rugby, but it was also their best and also, also their worst. I don't think we're anywhere close to being at our best, but we could easily be very close to our worst. Um, you just hope the professional pride. There's an awful lot of there's an awful lot still right riding on it individually because Kieran Keane is going to come with a blank slate, which means that it doesn't matter what reputations you have. You can be an international, but he's going to decide you may not be good enough. And if you're not putting in the performances on the pitch, because he's going to get all these videos and he's going to make his decisions about who in his mind is his best 15 based on what he sees between now and the end of the season. Uh -huh. So we hope that would factor in. I, I know what this kind of team is capable of. They're likely to get up. They're likely almost certainly, I couldn't put it beyond them, this team would give Leinster an absolute hammering and still lose to Edinburgh away. I mean, it's just, it's just what they're capable of doing. But unfortunately, that's a throwback to the seasons four, five, six, seven years ago, where they got up for these bigger games and couldn't get up for the smaller games. And you would be hopeful that last season would have shown that those smaller games are as equally as important. I'm worried about which is the anomalous season. I very much am opposed to the whole the World Cup was a factor last season. I think that's an excuse for other teams, but also it's becoming a factor for us in the sense that, oh, we can only beat these bigger teams if their internationals are away, which means that once every four years we'll have a good season, and that's just not good enough. This year should be the anomalous season, not last year, and you're just worried as if... You're just worried if it just, just there has to be, it shouldn't be a case that there has to be something riding on the game for the, this team to get up for it. Every game should have something riding on it, if, if only professional pride, if nothing else. Absolutely. That's really the, the strength of professional sport. That's what you have to do. You have to grind out wins. Um, and we did it last season. Yesterday, in some respects, doesn't affect where they are. They've, they've got this situation of the, there's two playoff spots. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually think they, they would be better off to finish behind Cardiff because they would have a playoff game against an English side with the prize at the end of that, a home final, as yeah. opposed to two away games. It's, that's a slightly strange way that draw has worked out. But you can't. But you can't go too much thinking that. Oh, let's let's let's. Yeah. Oh no, let's no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that you do. But it's just. Uh, it, 
because that becomes losing as a habit thing. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think it'll be interesting. I, I have a suspicion Munster will be in a European final the week after we play them. So we might be playing a very interesting Munster side uh, when we go down there. Leinster will also, when they come here, have a European semi-final the following Saturday, I think. So they've got a lot of good players, but they're going to have to make sure that a certain bunch of them are not going to play in Galway, and that could be a huge well, number. But we, they had a certain amount of inexperienced players when we went up to the RDS, and yeah. the, the two wingers didn't know where to stand, and yet they turned out to be the two of the best players on the pitch. So. And sometimes that is the most dangerous when you put players who who are desperate yeah. to have a match yeah. to show to show themselves off, and sometimes that can be the most dangerous. But when you're, but, but you're, but looking, at, when you're looking at Leinster, the way Leinster are playing this year. Is like a, a power version of what we were doing last year. They're they're running. They've got real powerful runners. We don't quite have the same power as Sean O'Brien and Dan Levy and guys like that. And they're they're mixing it up with the offloading game. Like I was just watching the game this morning again, just to have a look at them. They were they were very impressive. They did made a lot of mistakes as well, but they were very impressive when they got the scores and they were very clinical. Um, not something we've been. Well, I think that's one of the things with them. They, you know, they, they, they do make errors, and there was quite a few handling errors yesterday, mm-hmm. but they also back themselves to score. When they get into yes. a certain zone, they reckon they are going to score. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll put uh, you this way. They, can, they lose... They don't, they're playing Joey Carby at fullback because they know he'll do a job there at fullback. He can also do a job at 10. They don't have to play the likes of uh, Adam Byrne now because they've got Fergus McFadden. Now, I know we, Fergus McFadden is a... Um, a curate's egg of a player for this podcast but um, he does a job for them and he gets the job done the Kearneys come in and they do a job the drop off in standard from their number one to their number four yeah. is not as high as the drop off no. in standard from our, from, from our number one to our number three or occasionally from our number one to our number two in those positions um, we need to we need to we, I, where there's another I mean yes they have a fantastic academy I've seen their other 20s and 19s and they're men against boys against our lads they just have such a strength and depth. They so many more clubs than us. They're able to you're able to bring these guys through, and they have their AIL, AIL clubs, if nothing else, are providing a level of a level of uh, of competition that we can't can't produce here because we've only really got Galwegians, Corinthians. I mean, and that, books. That, and books. And, and, and Buccaneers. Sorry, sorry, Buccaneers. <laughs> I don't know. But even with that, that, there was an entire Leinster backline this year played for UCD last year. Yes, and I mean that's the difference. I yeah, mean. Yeah. Maybe one point we'll have the strength and depth, but God knows how many players are coming through. Look at the school system as well. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll, we'll take a we'll take a bit of a break here, and we'll be back in a second. Who's coming in and who we've got, um, and what we think we need. Well. Two announcements, Nigel Carroll and Jimmy Duffy have been confirmed. Jimmy's continue on. It hasn't actually been said that he's the forwards coach, but I'm assuming that that's what he's going to do. Uh, and Nigel Carroll has obviously come from the, uh, the, the Connacht Academy and Ireland under-20s. Uh, but coaching these days, is a, there's a lot of people there. Yeah. Um, obviously, Pat has been replaced by Kieran Kane. Uh, Conor McPhillips is joining Pat at Bristol, so he, he'll have to be replaced. Uh, Paul Bunce, strength and conditioning, is going to Bristol as well. So there's going to be more people coming into to the setup, um, and that's a sort of a, a new chapter. It's a new beginning. Yeah. Um, which is depending on how the rest of this season goes is maybe what we need, but it, it, it does freshen everything up. Yeah. And it changes things. Mm. New coach comes in. He's going to uh, he's going to set his own template of how he wants things done. 
and any coach worth his salt is not going to try to be Pat Lamb too. He's going to be different. Yeah, you, you have to be. This is, he's an experienced guy, mm. so that's part of it. But what, what other positions need to be filled? Well, if you consider, like, since this time last year, five of the coaching panel will not be there at the start of the next season, in which we can definitively say that two have been replaced. That's assuming that Nigel is going in as a direct replacement of Conor McPhillips, and we know that Kieran is replacing Pat. Now, that leaves Andre Bell, uh, Paul Bunce, and Dave Ellis to be replaced, and we need to look at replacements of those. No, there. Andre Bell was Conor McPhillips. Oh, okay, so we saw it, so it's four. So grand, but we still. But I think the thing the one we definitely need to replace is Dave Ellis. I think there is a significant problem. There's, you always need to improve your skills coach, and there maybe has been a drop in skills, but also defence coach as well. I think we definitely need a defence coach. We haven't had one of those in two years. I think. I think one of the things that Dave Ellis said when we had that really interesting interview with him was that part of his job is to deal with the aftermath of systems failures. Yes. By being able to say, right, this is what went wrong. This is what you need to do. How to fix it. Mm. That maybe has been missing since he went because it's an it's it's quite a complex set of stratagems that they run. Yeah. And because of that, he probably has been hugely missed just by the players. He's probably somebody who the players he talked a lot about player led situations. Well, this is a key time for, for player leadership. When you're under the cosh a bit this is when the players have got to maybe go into a room and close the door without the coaches and say right lads it's time for a few home truths here we're going to have some bit of brutal honesty and that's also an opportunity as a learning thing because player, some player might actually say someone that nobody else has thought about mm. but that that's one position he's got. a defence coach yes it's I mean it's part of the game now absolutely you want to draw a well I would imagine that um Kieran Kane might want, obviously, want to bring someone with him. I think it's 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 a very normal situation to be with, and I'm sure he'll probably be allowed to lead anyone he wants. After all, if you think about Pat Lamb, brought in his entire coaching mm. team with him, which was from SNC um, skills coach, backs coach, yeah. you know, and the only one who was there, and or, um, and anyone else was there any? Uh, no, Dan, he had Dan no, for the first Dan year. The first year, that's yeah. right, as Ford coach. So I would imagine that yeah, there will be some changes, and I and I, I think that everyone will probably look forward to it. I think Kieran Keane um, will probably change things around a bit. I'm I'm sure he will. I'm sure he's looked at loads of videos of Connor already and, and identified areas that he thinks he can, he can change in the way that he likes to play the game and I I think that he's probably I know Willie talked about him as being you know an ideal person to, to follow up from, from Pat I think um, he is his own man he's a very experienced coach he's from what I've heard about him He's very confident. Um, he doesn't need to prove anything to anybody, and I'd say he he'll be he'll be. Uh, some of the players will, you know, probably find him a little bit tough. I would imagine, you know, but um, I think that's probably that's going to be all for the good. And yeah, you know, and who he brings with him, I don't know. People have mentioned, you know, I think I've mentioned Andrew Strawbridge, the skills coach. Someone up, Dave Neil Barnes, who has worked with him at Tasman and has worked yeah. with Chiefs, and is yeah. also out of contract. I think the yeah. Strawbridge has already left. Yeah. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. I and know. when it comes to SNC, I think you know I've um, the players have talked very highly of of Tristan, who was already yeah. there, and of course there's you know someone like 
Johnny O'Connor, who is who knows rugby through Inside and through, yeah. and who could step into a, um, a, a position there. Not as obviously not as the head SNC, he wouldn't have that experience, but you mm. know he'd, he'd probably love to take a job with Connaught. I'm sure, in the whole in the whole way that you know. Connor is trying to bring in people, their yep. own people, exactly. to who understand Connor. Um, you know that the same way that you know Willie has come mm. in, and it's been wonderful having another CEO who is a, a Connor man through and yep. through. Um, there, I'm sure there are, are several people like um, Johnny O'Connor who possibly could be looked at. Absolutely, William. I think one of the things. You're talking about a new coach with new systems is ours I think sides have worked out our system a bit. I mean it's a constantly evolving game. We Connacht analyze themselves, but everybody who plays them analyzes Connacht. We analyze what Glasgow do or Zebra well it may be hard to analyze Zebra because they never get on television getting footage of what they do is, <laughs> they almost exist in a, a little bit of a vacuum. But that's part of what a new coach has to bring as well. You have to keep evolving. Watching the semi-finals and or sorry the quarter-finals in the last couple of days is really interesting. I mean, everybody has this thing that Saracens are a kick and rush team. Yeah. They're playing some phenomenal rugby today, yeah. offloading speed, but doing it at the right time and having the patience. Leinster were at things. Munster, Erasmus has definitely brought their game plan on. It's it's not the old Munster. Funnily enough, the game that brought you the least was Toulon against uh, um, Clermont. That was like watching. Two behemoths trying to beat each other up, yeah. and they took off one huge man and brought on an even huger, smaller man or slower man, yeah. and it was just. And you think, wow, you know, and the crowd seemed, to, the French crowd seemed to go for it. But the the game evolves, and we have to be realistic. Most of the evolving happens, in, in and it doesn't even happen in the southern hemisphere. Now it's happening in New Zealand, so we've got a coach coming from New Zealand who will attempt to play like that and we might have issues about the way that Super Rugby seems to get decisions to understand set up our new seasons for us from 2020 but they are playing a different level a different type of rugby so this is it's a challenge uh, it'll be a challenge for the players to deal with with this and it should be a good challenge for them and they need they need to be up for it Indeed. Uh, Indeed. I mean it, it, it is any player that isn't up for the sort of challenge, realizing that you have a guy who is playing, who is in the middle of a Super Four, uh, Super Fifteen, or whatever it's going to be, if they decide to keep Super the Australians, yeah. <laughs> decide to keep the Australians or not. Um, it is. I mean, any player that wouldn't necessarily be. I'm not saying they're going to be not trepid, uh, some trepidation, some fears of well, is this going to work for me? But if they're not ex- excited by what's going to come down the line, then they really shouldn't be thinking about whether this is the career for them. Um, we don't know. And that's that's the fun. We also it's it's a step into the unknown, and it could be brilliant. It could be disastrous. I mean, Pat was a step into the unknown, and it started not particularly fantastically, but it has brought us the best values we've had as comic fans. So we would hope again that the, that this is something the players are looking forward to, which doesn't mean that they necessarily have to ride off the rest of the season whilst they're waiting for it. I think it's very hard for any new, for any player to be honest when a new coach takes over. Mm-hmm. You know. No matter no matter what, you know, personality is always involved. It's it's it's, yeah, it's yeah. a people sport. Personality involved, but you only have to look at some players shine under some coaches and and some don't. And you know, obviously, I if I was a player, I'd probably be a little bit nervous as well, nervous and excited, I suppose. But there are always, you know, as I said, it's a it's a it's a, it's a people orientated sport where you can clash with 
with you know fellow players, but you know hopefully professional professionalism wins out. But I, I can understand you know why players might be a little bit nervous. I, I have a question, and this is a genuine question. If we're talking about players being excited about next season, some players are going to be let go at the end of the season. Who will have the say on that? Will Kieran Keane have any say in that whatsoever? Because if you're a player thinking, I'm not, my contract's coming to an end, I could thrive under this new coach by not being given the chance with the decision made by people who won't be around next season. So I was just wondering, will he have any say in that whatsoever? I have no idea. It's very, it's very hard to, to, to know how he can, but maybe he does. Um, in consultation, I mean, he can't just watch a video in New Zealand and say, don't want him. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that, that would be particularly that would be, harsh. That would, then that's the other harshness of it. I mean, it just seems if you're a player who's, who is let go at the I, end of the season... I would think would it would have to be a collaborative type of mm-hmm. agreement. Yeah. Agreement, yeah. and it is tough. Mm. Um, and, you know, and there's probably players there that maybe felt that they haven't had maybe as much of an opportunity under Pat as they'd want and who may be kept on and will thrive under a new coach because every every dressing room will be is different. It all, it's all change. Um, I'm intrigued to know whether he... Does he want to be in the Champions Cup or would he prefer to be in the Challenge Cup next season? Oh, I think any I think, I think any he, coach would yeah, I think any top. coach would want to be at the top. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I would. I certainly would want to be in the Champions f- Cup. I don't think there's any secondary competition in New Zealand, is there? For the for, is there a Division Two of the uh, of well, the NPC? Yeah, yeah. Oh, there is, of course. That's yes. What Tasman were. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure there's actually a secondary competition in Europe. It's very, it, it's, sort of, it's sort of appears now. There's a third competition now. And there's even a third competition, the European Shield. Continental, Continental, Continental Shield. Shield. Continental Shield. Um, well, that's, they've, they've done a good job there. They've got a nice new logo, so it's, it's improved a bit. Um, well, I think anything that actually improves the, those, those countries and gives them something to, to work for and play for is, is a good thing. I hope it does. I it hope it does. I know there was a rugby club in Katafi in Madrid. So. <laughs> there you go. There it's you a go. learning curve. So, another thing to talk about is, is we don't seem to have signed any players. We know John Cooney's leaving. Um, I believe that Rory Parata is going to be leaving as Dad was on Twitter talking about it. Um, you know, we've heard one or two other names that might, might or might not be leaving, but you know, we, can't, we can't talk about them. Um, but you know, it's it's how do you how do you recruit when your your next coach is, is in full flow of working with the Chiefs who are flying? I presume the new coach will be doing what the current coach is doing. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and this is probably probably Bristol, uh, Bristol still have no problems signing yeah. players. Yeah. <laughs> Bristol have a lot of money. Yeah. I, I, look, I, I would imagine. Look, it's, it's just it's just business sense. I would imagine that you know Willie Ruan and Timon Nutter and, and contact with Karen Kane, knowing what sort of players they might be looking for, and Karen Kane will be on the lookout to. You know, to help out because I would imagine there will be a few opportunities opening up in the team, and I think that's a, you know, and it will also come down, of course, to budget as well. Yes. So I'm, I'm sure Karen Kane will have a have you know some ideas himself that he has a of a player who could possibly fill a, a gap that is opening up, and I just think it would be a normal, you know, um, thing for him to want to bring a couple of players in himself as well. Yeah, you would have thought he'd like to have a on on the field leader that you know would. Get him doing what he wants them to do. Well, it's significant, I think, that there's a lot of media talk has preceded other signings for other provinces. There was a lot of talk about Chris Farrell and James Hart before they signed for Munster. There has been one article written about a player possibly coming to Connacht from overseas, and that has been 
Uh, that seems that rumor seems to have gone very very quiet. Now I don't know if there's any if there's any um, in truth behind it or not. We we are not a speculating podcast, but it's significant to note that there seems to be no talk in the media about the players coming to Connacht. Also, weirdly enough, seems to be no talk about players leaving Connacht apart from John Kearney, which is very unusual. We just seem to be existing in a parallel universe to the rest of the to the rest. Of I the think you know, and I, and I think that's possibly because um, it's a very tight ship. Yeah, basically yeah. there, and like it's, it, the guts of the championship winning side are still there. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, we, we lost the four guys or five guys last year with Nathan White. Also, you know, when we lost him, and he's been a huge loss. I think he's been a bigger loss than people realise as well, from a leadership point of view. Um, but you know, we, we we brought in guys who are still betting into a system, we're still trying to figure their way through everything. They're not quite at the same level as the players who left. Um, but we do have the core of a team that won the championship. And, you and then you have to also have to look at the academy and see what players are mm. able to graduate from the academy and what players in the academy mm. are just not making it either. And yes. so you've got you've got movement in the academy as well, upwards well, it, and, and mm. downwards. It was I, I had a I did an interview with um, Eamon Malloy during the week, which we'll hear at some stage in the near future on the Craggy Rugby podcast, and he mentioned the fact that once a guy gets signed onto the academy. As far as they're concerned, they are professionals. They are good enough. They should be well able to make it from that position. So the biggest problem is injuries. Injuries are the thing that destroy more than anything else. Most of the guys who don't make it are invariably because of an injury more than any other thing. Yeah, that, that, that that's a crucial part of it. I mean, obviously, a player who hasn't featured this season is, is Marnitz Boshoff. He, and I, I think that has affected... Yeah. He, he he came and he got injured. He he came late because he was finishing his season in South Africa. He got injured in his first game. He was just about to come back last weekend, and tragically, his father uh, died very suddenly. A young man, fifty-seven in South Africa, which is a horrible situation for him. Yeah. And I think I don't know whether we'll see him again this season. That's it's it's almost it, that is irrelevant to where he is. But I would hope that he can be. A forceful part of next yes. season. Effectively, yeah. yeah. he's now a new signing for next season. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes, but but he's he's almost had a full bedding in season yes. here in Connacht. Yeah. To see what what it's about. Yes. And the fact that you know you could be playing in bright sunshine training, and the next day it's yeah. you're playing something. Snow. Snow's beating on your head. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be part of the new team's opportunity to, to bring players through. Um, we struggle quite badly in the BNI Cup. I mean, Munster are through. Munster are through to the final. Yeah. Uh, they beat somebody yesterday. Uh, <laughs> don't know who, but that's you know. It was Ealy. Uh, the Trailfinders. Could be Bristol next year. That would be That would certainly get a crowd to the sports ground. <laughs> that would be worth seeing. Um, but that's again where. It's, you're talking about players getting injured, but it's hard to bring. You know, you, there needs to be bringing in a guy from academy straight to Connacht, yeah. the full side. But the the A side, we don't have enough players of quality yeah. to compete in what is a, a pretty tough competition. I've, 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 I've been talking to some of the young lads. They're in the university. I, I meet them. I ask them how they feel about the the BNI Cup, and I say their biggest issue is because effectively they are a scratch team. 
every time. And yeah. I spoke to the Ospreys, and they were in exactly the same boat. They didn't know. They we were playing them the following week. We didn't know who we were going to pick. Their coaches didn't know who they were going to pick because they didn't know which guys would be dropping down, which guys would be pulled up. And then you're going up against. And let's be honest, but if you go up against a team like we went up against London Irish, now they have All Blacks in their squad, maybe English internationals in their squad, and they are playing week in, week out with each other, training with each other all the time. They are a senior, serious professional outfit, and they were unbeaten all season. Our lads come together twice, maybe two, three times a week, and then disappear off to their various clubs at the weekend. They play, and the only times they play with each other are the are the A games, which means they may play with each other nine times a season, max. Yeah. Hmm. Which isn't, you know, you can't. Rugby is a team sport, and it needs guys who know each other and work with each other, and you know, develop partnerships and you know, knowledge of each other's play. And you can't do that when you're just playing scratch games. We're not playing a scratch game next Friday. We're playing Edinburgh. No, no. Um, that's going to be an interesting one. Uh, they uh, they got well beaten in the Challenge Cup at home on Friday night by La Rochelle, side that we came up against a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Scottish media are giving them an absolute hammering. Uh, I think it's partly to do with the fact that Alan Solomons was the coach there, and I think he had a dreadful relationship with the media in Scotland, and they've continued on. Glasgow are everybody's favourite side. Yeah. Um, that's a bit. I think that's actually a bit worrying because I think they might yeah, also be brought into a room on Monday, yeah. the players, yeah. uh, and told right. There's a there's a Tom English, a man who is on our podcast occasionally. Uh, he indicates that he thinks quite a lot of the Edinburgh team will be not signing any contracts at the end of the season. <laughs> so that's a big game. Uh, we'll be podcasting after that one as well. But the press conference will be coming up on Tuesday, and uh, even though it's Sunday night now, we're going to drop in what happened on Tuesday at the press conference. That was a, was a pretty grim evening, I think, judging, judging by the, what we heard about the performance and uh, the result. What did you hear? Well, we we didn't. It just didn't go well for us. We failed to convert some chances. Yeah. And it was an imprecise performance. Um, we started really well. Uh, Twelve three up, pretty comfortable. We scored a third try, which would have taken it out. But there was uh, the referee wasn't positioned, so uh, there was no TMO. So uh, we had to live with that one. So and then we had about five other chances inside their twenty-two in the space of ten minutes to score another try. I just went through the review, all the opportunities that we had to to be long gone by half time. Um, so we blew those uh, through execution, and um, uh, but it, uh, and then. I think the possession stakes was way up our way, um, and they didn't have much, but they took their chances. They and they got one try from a a, a rolling mall, which um, uh, the boys thought had collapsed, and the guy shot out the other end, so he scored there. Another one up in the air from a turnover, he jumped up, caught it, and then caught us down the side. And then another one when we were going a ninety meter try when we were going for the rolling mall, and they managed to pinch it and come out and. They were 90 metres. So they, to sum it all up, they probably had about four chances. They took three of them. And we probably had about 15 genuine chances. And we took three of them. And uh, that's probably the, the, the frustration. Have to give a lot of credit to them. Uh, because, you know, 
the crowd came right into it. They brought the crowd right into it from our from holding us out. Like uh, they were quiet. Uh, Getting it looked like you know this was was going fine, and then when we couldn't score from numerous chances before half time, the crowd got bigger and bigger. And then after half time, we needed to score straight away because they'd obviously got back into the game. And um, and then from a turnover, obviously they scored again. And then they they turned into Superman privy. They there was the, and, and they played really well because they put us under a lot of pressure and they could sense a bit of history here. And we had a genuine chance. We climbed our way back to it, and then we had a chance at the end, but we turned the ball over. So all in all, um, frustrating performance. A lot of credit goes to um, a lot of credit goes to Zebra. Um, you know they had eleven of the internationals back, and uh, and all their key guys played well. And um, you know we only got ourselves to blame really. So it's been a day of um, get through it, understand it. Same process. There's a couple of things we did really well. A lot of things we could do better. And now we move on. When you talk about the the failure to convert, is it just being poor under, is it sort of putting too much pressure on themselves, panicking about it, or is it just small things, running lines? What, what's the actual, what cause are you seeing? Oh, there's, there's a bit of everything, really. Um, but I think, you know, we have to be mentally tough as we go through, and I say this, and I, I have a simple quote, and the boys know this, for mental toughness is being able to do what you need to do when you need to do it. And there's things that we can, we do well at training, we come out and under pressure um, if we don't execute. And, you know, I've always said, yeah, we don't have, you know, our team is never about individuals, but it's about individuals doing their part in, in the system. And I suppose the thing, I, I watch a lot of rugby and I've been looking at teams and when I watch rugby, I look at, uh, uh, I always look for structures and try to work out. And it's pretty clear that some teams don't even look like they've got a chance of scoring. And um, whereas our game plan and what we do has many chances, opens it up, but it's up to us to take them. And that, then, so it comes back to individuals being able to do what they need to do when they need to do it. So that's the learning. That's the learning that we have. Um, that, and that's, that's the thing for when it comes back to selection, when it comes back to the players' development, is uh, they're, they're the first people that are most frustrated and then um, and being able to know, but that's just the way our game works. I'd rather be in this position than be in a position where, oh my gosh, you know, how do we score? <laughs> and uh, we and it's for us now. It just comes back to our skills, being able to nail it, go through, and and, and that's the beauty of the process. Win or lose, they know we know what we have to fix. Now it's about trying to fix it, and there's no guarantee you'll win the next game. What it does mean is that we're trying to get better and hopefully get the, we can channel that into the next game. When you go 12-3 up though, should you almost relax in and be able to convert or does it become a catch-22 where a few chances go begging and then the players start, players, players tighten up? Do they become nervous or do they become, they just not well, sure? I can't speak of the players, but uh, you know, because that's up to every player, but no, I mean, like, yeah, when you've got a team thing, there's 15 guys trying to, to execute and you got, but it only takes one guy to drop a ball. Well, we all get, we all get punished for it, you know? So, I don't, the boys don't look nervous or uptight or anything. It's, uh, you know, or I think 
would you say relaxed so all, all of the things you're saying there it's um it's about you know your professional players and we get out there and enjoy but you just got to nail the job you know we all get things wrong but if you get it but it, but it's costly and we all pay the price for it you know it's like when we even when we win games there's times we let ourselves down um but it's just yeah for for a player um you know we when we were 12 three up we had another chance we built we got all the way from kickoff we got back and then guy dropped the ball knock on scrum from the scrum we defended really well and then they gave a we, we gave a penalty away and then three points so then it's that's how it ended up 12 three just those sort of key moments in the game everyone pays the price for it and when you when you say paying the price then is do you have to you're putting the, the responsibility has to go onto the players to the, to understand what they did wrong or what they what didn't work for them do you, do you follow what i mean that when no. you have your when you have a meeting and you're looking at it you're in you're having to show individuals you're looking for collective responsibility but you're also pointing out where it went wrong to them and looking for improvements oh yeah self-awareness if you're not aware i mean i could tell you everything you're doing wrong but you won't listen to any of that unless you know what is wrong. So I wouldn't tell you. I'll ask you the question. And but that's the worry. If if I ask you the question, you don't know what the answer is. And some of it's pretty obvious. If a guy drops the ball, he drops mm. the ball. What did you what did you drop the ball? I I took my eyes off the ball, right? Okay, well we all have to pay the price for that. So eventually it gets to the point where this is where you you're weighing up around selection, okay, well and these guys in the there's guys who have credit in the bank and there's, there's all these things where guys are doing, you know, where 10 times, nine times out of 10, they nail it one time, they don't, but we all pay the price for that. Um, so the awareness of what you've done wrong, the boys have got that, they know that. I, I mean, when they make a mistake on the field, they're the first people to know that. But what we try to put the context of the flow of the game. So 12-3, flow of the game, drop the ball there. Suddenly they, they got an in. So we, we stop it, someone gives a penalty, there's an issue there. So now they're over here in the game. And then, you know, when one guy shoots up when they uh, when we lose the ball, instead of holding, they break, they go, they score a try. You know, catch the ball in the end. You know, that's the credit to them. But how will we allow, that's the consequence. So it's understanding that. But, you know, come on boys, concentrate harder, 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 harder. That doesn't work. You know, they know that. It's about being able to get that done collectively. So it's a short week and you've done your analysis, you're looking for Edinburgh. Is that a, an opportunity just to to prove it to themselves again? It's, it's a big game. It's, uh... That's sport, that's exactly. I mean, this is every week is win or lose, you go to the next challenge. And, um, you know, I think it's more around us getting, nailing those things. The boys know straight away, the first thing that comes up every time, oh my gosh, look at all the chances that we blew. So... In any game, you've got to create some chances. The opposition gives you some chances. How good are we going to be to be able to nail them? And all that does now is bring a little bit of motivation, determination to their week to ensure we nail it. Like we've had three good weeks of training and we train well and that's why the confidence going into the games is good because we've done the work. But then it's about being able to do it when you need to do it. I think what's more disappointing when you know, and there's no different from the Glasgow game last week too, is when you know that you're genuinely had the opportunity to win games, that's what's more disappointing than who, who it's against. Um, and uh, I thought, um, you know, 
again, we, 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 we handed it on a plate, but they still had to take it, and you know, credit to them, they did. So, yeah, of course it's disappointing, but more in the manner that we gave them the game. It's never about who we play. It's, it's about how we go. Like Our number one focus is on how we play, on our game, what we do on attack and defence. And then on the back of that, you come out of these games and you go, generally, could we have won the game? You know, and that's the same question as the player. And the answer when it's a yes, then that's the frustration. And then we take the learnings of it. So, um, and that, that that's that's probably where the biggest disappointment is. Uh, it goes in with all the other losses where it's like, it's, we, sh we should have won this game, you know. And But then I put it down to there's a learning. You know, these are the learnings we just have to take. There's no point beating yourself up and there's no point crying about it. You know, it's about, all right, we've just got to make sure that this is an opportunity that we, we get learning from. And, you know, we look at last week where, you know, we lost two props at the start. Of, well, we lost one. We lost JP Cooney on Tuesday. Then we lost Ronan. We were about to, the day we were leaving the training. Uh, now there's visa what was happening at the airport. So last minute change there and people step in. And, um, you know, so you get all those sort of disruptions and stuff and then you have all the injuries. There's a whole lot of factors, but ultimately... We could have won the game, we should have won the game, and when we don't, there's been a lot of games in my time that have been here, you know, regardless of the opposition, is that we should have won. The biggest factor for us is when I look at the season, is that there's every single game we've lost, we could have won, you know, and when I say could have, I mean like genuine chances that we could have. There's a whole lot of reasons, you know, that, that you guys have all mentioned before, so I don't need to go through all of it. But, you know, we still, ultimately, you know, I don't want to round off and summarise the season because we've got four games to go and we'll see where we end up on the back of that. Okay, and so that's it for this episode of the Craig Ruby podcast. We'll be back again next week after the Edinburgh game and we'll talk again soon. Cheers, guys.